take our Bibles and turn to Mark, the 15th chapter. Mark 15, verses 1 through 4. Mark 15, 1 through 4. Immediately in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and the scribes and the whole council, and they bound to Jesus led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. Then Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, It is as you say. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you have nothing to answer? See how many things have been certainly brought against you in testifying against you? But Jesus still had nothing. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word this morning as our pastor continues to study in Mark. Do you like surprises? Sue got me real good. It was my 60th birthday, and our daughter Nicole had come up to the uh, to our home for the weekend to celebrate uh, my birthday. And then uh, Sunday noontime came. It was time for her to head back to New Jersey, and so she did. And so Sue just kind of offhandedly suggested we go to the restaurant we like over in Wolfboro, a Mexican restaurant there. So we went over and I walk in the door and surprise! And there is uh, my two, two of my brothers and a sister-in-law and a nephew and Nicole who had come around and gone over to the restaurant instead of going home. And so we had... Uh, they had decorations and a goofy hat that I had to wear and all these kinds of things. And so I was very, very surprised. She really got me. Well, some surprises are good, aren't they? And some surprises are not so good. Well, God likes surprises for his children. Did you know that? God likes to surprise us with good things. There's a book with the title, Surprised by Grace. And it's a story about one of the prophets in the Bible. I don't know if you would guess which one it was. I didn't. It was Jonah. Surprised by Grace. Think about that one. We won't be studying about it this morning. But then there's another book entitled, Surprised by Joy. And this was written about a young atheist who became a Christian. Isn't that good? Surprised by, surprised by joy. Well, in, Ma in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15, we come upon surprise after surprise after surprise. Let's look at the surprises in chapter 15 of Mark. Now, we've had read to us the first four verses, and we find here that Jesus is brought before the council of the priests and the elders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and so on. 
And then they bring him bound to Pilate, and Pilate's questioning him whether he is the king of the Jews and all. And Jesus isn't saying anything. And Pilate there in verse 4 asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you? And then verse 5 says, But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. In another translation, the New Living Translation, it says this, But Jesus said nothing, much to Pilate's surprise. So there's the first surprise in the chapter. Pilate was surprised that Jesus said nothing. Now, I don't know how much Pilate knew about Jesus, but we know that Jesus, day by day, was out among the people. And what was he doing with his time out among the people? Teaching, preaching, and healing. Now, he spent a lot of time healing, more time healing than preaching and teaching, but he still spent significant time preaching and healing. So he had many words for the people, and we don't have time to go into all the things that he shared with them, but he did. He talked a lot with them. But now, how many words are coming out of his mouth? None. Now he's silent. He's silent. There's no defensiveness. There's certainly no boasting. No rebellion that you might expect from a person who's on trial being accused falsely. No, there's none of that. There's only silence and peace. Now he is the lamb who before his shearers is dumb, is silent. Why was he silent? Well, we know he was hurting. He wasn't yet crucified. But he saw people before him with an attitude of rejection. And that hurt. And there wasn't anything more to say. He had said it all. He had done it all. And they were rejecting him. Is your God silent? Is he silent to you sometimes? And you are wondering, why? Why is God so silent to me? Maybe it's because he's hurting. You might wonder that about your spouse. Why is my spouse silent? Why is, doesn't he or she say something? Maybe it's because they're hurting. Let's go to verse 6. It says, Now at the feast, he was, he was accustomed to releasing, this is Pilate now, was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was chained with his fellow insurrectionists. They had committed murder in the insurrection. Then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just what he had always done for them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. Well, let's stop there a moment. He knew that the leaders had handed Jesus over because of their envy. Was it any surprise that the Jewish leaders would have envy? No. No surprise there. 
Anybody who knew those leaders knew that they would be envious of anybody who was getting attention, getting an attraction of people, a following of people that would take away from their power and prestige and influence. That's no surprise. So we've got to keep going. Verse 11. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said to them, What do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? You see, here we find that Pilate was surprised that they wanted Barabbas over Jesus. He looked at, Bar he looked at Barabbas there, and here was a ruffian, a scoundrel, a rebel, a murderer, crass and cruel. Oh, now wait a minute. When you stop and think about it, actually, with those characteristics, Barabbas was more like the leaders than Jesus was. He was one of their own, in a sense, because they would love to do what he had done if they just could have gotten away with it. He was just bold enough to do it, whether you could get away with it or not. But they would love to have killed all the tax collectors in Israel. They would have loved to wipe out all the prostitutes. They would have even killed all the common people who weren't as religious as them. Because then, if they didn't have all the distractions of all these undedicated people, they could then become perfect as the people of God and have God's blessing to become the greatest power on earth. Barabbas was actually one of them. Now, going on to verses 13 to 15. And so they cried out, Crucify him. And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him! So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. So here's the next surprise. Surprise number three. Pilate was surprised that they insisted that Jesus be crucified. The worst of the worst. The cruelest of the punishments. What had he done that was so terrible? What terrible crime to deserve this? His crime was he identified with you. That's why Jesus went to the cross. Because he identified with you. With all your sins all your brokenness, all your lostness. And he wouldn't let go of you. That's why he had to be crucified. And the fourth surprise comes in verses 16 to 20. And then the soldiers led him away to the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison, and they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! 
Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him and they mocked him. They took the purple off him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Now it's time for the angels to be surprised. Surprised at what Jesus allowed and what he endured for the benefit of men and women. Could you imagine being an angel of heaven who had knelt down before Jesus in the glories of that place, who had praised him with joy and reverence and holiness, and now you watch what people are doing to your commander, the one you've marveled at and worshipped appreciated so much and you see them mocking him and inflicting as much pain and disgrace upon him as they can they must have been utterly surprised that he would take all of that for us are you surprised that he would take this abuse for you The next surprise starts with verse 21. And now they compelled a certain man named Siren, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. Simon of Cyrene was surprised to bear the cross of this unknown person. He was forced into this, this challenge. He was later surprised that he had the privilege of carrying the cross of the Son of God. Are you? Where do you bear that cross? Is it heavy? Does it hurt? Do you bear it with pride? With determination? With praise? Do you recognize who Jesus is and do you willingly take it up? Turn from here. Hold your place. We're coming right back. But turn for a moment to Galatians chapter 20. Some of you may not have to turn because you've memorized it. It's chapter 20 in Galatians and verse 2. Chapter 20 of Galatians, verse 2. A crucial verse to look at as we're studying Mark chapter 15. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. That's why you bear a cross, is to be crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So what is this bearing the cross with Jesus? It means being crucified 
It means dying. What? What is dying? What is dying is that desire to live for ourselves. That attitude, I'm going to have what I want when I want it. I'm going to do what I want to do. I won't have someone over me. I don't need to depend on somebody else. I can handle things quite well, thank you. That has to die. So that we say, Jesus, Son of David, I need you. And Jesus comes and says, what would you have me do for you? And we say, Jesus, I need you to do everything for me. I need you in every way. I need you for every decision. I need you to guide me and lead me in all the things of life. I need you. And so that's the way self dies. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and who died for me. And so that's our fifth surprise with Simon on the cross. Number six comes in verse 22. We're back to Mark now, chapter 15, and we're looking at verse 22 and 23. It says, Then he gave, they gave him wine... That's the, um, the soldiers gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed verse 22. And they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated the place of the skull. And then they gave him the wine. Why did they give him this special wine with, with spices mixed in? It was an anesthesia. So that he wouldn't feel the pain of being nailed to the cross and hanging there. It, it, would, it would dull that pain. Because it was going to be a lengthy time he would be on the cross. be about five to seven days that he would be there. And they wanted to prolong the whole uh, course of things. And so they, they uh, by, cor by regular course, they would usually offer this to the, uh, to the crucified person. But it says, in this case, Jesus did not take it. I know that uh, those of us who have had to endure some pain and we had a pain medication to take, we would gladly take it, in certain circumstances at least, and uh, be glad to get rid of that toothache or that surgery ache or whatever it is and, uh, and have some help. But Jesus didn't. Why didn't he take it? Well, you know... Jesus had a purpose in his dying. He was doing it for you. And Jesus did not want to neglect anything in regard to you. He wanted to accomplish everything that was needed for you. And he didn't want to miss a thing. And if he took this, this alcoholic uh, anesthesia, he might miss something. And he would not miss anything no matter how much it hurt. You know, sometimes people will turn to things of this world to medicate themselves when they're facing hurts and disappointments. And it's not just always alcohol, is it? There's a whole broad spectrum of things that people can turn to from forms of entertainment to 
chemical things to whatever. I mean, there's just so many things. And uh, you know what your drug of choice, so to speak, is. But Jesus didn't medicate himself even though we had the opportunity to, because you were too important to him. That's why. And that was a surprise to the soldiers. Now verse 24. Verse 24. Through several verses it says, And they crucified him. They divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above, the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on the right and the other on his left. And so the scripture was fulfilled, which says he was numbered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you destroy the temple and build it in three days? Save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, together with the scribes, mocked and said among themselves, He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross and we may see and believe. And those who were crucified with him reviled him. Now this surprise is to us. We are surprised that people needing a Savior would ask him to come down off the cross when he, if he did it, he couldn't be the Savior. Only if he stayed on the cross could he save them. But they're asking him to come down. We humans can be so foolish. So foolish. We don't want a dying Savior. We want a powerful Savior who can rule with authority and overcome all the enemies. But power can never solve the problem of sin. Unless it's the powerful love of a creator who would die for his creatures. Surprise number eight we find in verses 33 and 34. Now when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, that's about three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This surprise was for Jesus. Jesus was surprised at how hard it was to endure being separated from the Father. Jesus was surprised at the agony of the heartache that came with identifying with you and me. 
And so he cried out, Why have you forsaken me, O God? Our ninth surprise is in verses 35 to 37. Some of those who stood by, when they heard it, they said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Then someone ran and filled a sponge full of sour wine and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone, and let us see if Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last. There it was, just three in the afternoon, just a few hours from being nailed to the cross, he breathed his last and he died. Usually it took five to seven days to die. No one died this early. And so it was a surprise how quickly he died. But he was dying of a broken heart. He wasn't dying of nails, of thorns, of any of those things. Not of, not of even of being... Uh, of being whipped and beaten. He died of a broken heart. Now verse 38. Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This was the Passover, a very high day of Israel, and the temple was crowded with people. People from all over the Roman Empire had come to be part of the Passover feast. And the lamb was brought and was ready to be killed. And that great veil, which Josephus, the historian of the time, says it was 60 feet high and four inches thick. Impossible for a human hand to tear, but it was torn from the top to the bottom. And the priests and the people watching were totally surprised. They had no idea that this system of sacrifices that had been going on for 2,000 years, trying to teach the people the great gospel, the good news of God's goodness, had come to an end. Verse 39. Now when the centurion who stood opposite him saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the Son of God. Now here was a surprise to all those who were listening to the Jews, to the other soldiers, that an officer in the Roman army would proclaim a Jew to be the Son of God. Would proclaim this dying person on the cross to be the Son of God. But remember, that Roman centurion watched Jesus die. He died as no man died. Have you... Have you watched Jesus die? 
Have you taken the Gospels and studied, meditated on what happened to Jesus and let the Holy Spirit show you your Savior dying? It can make all the difference. The tenth surprise, oh no, I'm sorry, the twelfth surprise starts in verse 40. Verse 40. There were also women looking on from afar. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Less and of Joseph, and Salome. By the way, this is one of the reasons why we believe it was Mary Magdalene who was the woman who anointed Jesus' feet, who was, we know for sure, was Mary the sister of Lazarus and Martha that they're the same person. Because if Mary, the son, I'm sorry, the sister of Lazarus and Martha knew that Jesus was dying in, in Jerusalem, which surely she did because she anointed his feet for the burial because she knew he was going to die, wouldn't she be at the cross? Could she possibly stay away? So here are these women in verse 41 and who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. See, there were, there were many. Surely Mary would be there. But notice, when the men were too afraid to come and they all ran away, surprise, the women had the courage, had the the motivation they had to be there. There, near the cross. Then we go to verse 42 and 43. And when evening had come, because it was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, in other words, a member of the Sanhedrin, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled that he was already dead and summoned the centurion and so on. So notice here, that on this day of Jesus dying, the day before the Sabbath, it was Joseph of Arimathea, one of the Sanhedrin members, who came forward to provide a decent burial for Jesus. One of the Sanhedrin members. Surprise! You would think maybe one of the relatives of, of the uh, disciples or one of the wealthy people who had provided for Jesus in other ways. But no, it was one of the council members who provided, who took a risk. He had much to lose to identify with this, what was normally called a false Messiah. But he put it all on the line. He surprised everybody by wanting to honor Jesus in this way. 
Have you made a risk for Jesus? Have you put anything on the line for Him? Our last surprise, do you know what number it is? Number 14. It comes in verses 44 to 47. Pilate marveled that he was already dead and summoned the centurion. He asked him that if he had been dead for some time, and when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph, and bought and he bought fine linen, that's Joseph, bought fine linen and, linen, and took him down and wrapped him in the linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock, and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph observed where he was laid. The last surprise is that the king of life could be put in a tomb. That the creator of the world could be bound within it. Yes, 14 surprises. But the surprises were just beginning for the followers of Jesus. Because on the morning of the first day, there would be the biggest surprise of all. And now you and I who live here in 2016 are awaiting a great surprise. The return of Jesus in the clouds of glory to come and to get His own. And oh boy, there will be many surprises for us between now and that day. Are you willing for God to provide surprises in your life? Can you trust Him to choose the right surprise for the right time for you? Can you invite Him to do that? To bless you and to bless his kingdom? Is that your choice today? Let's pray and talk to him about it in a moment. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a story. What a real event that we've looked at this morning with surprise after surprise. But it was all part of your plan. It was all part of your resolve to reach us and to win us and to provide for us a complete and whole salvation in Jesus. For Jesus, there were many heartaches it hurt more than he could imagine humanly before it happened. And it was difficult. It was almost impossible for him to endure it all. But with the, re with the resolve of an unselfish love, he pressed through it all he proclaimed his trust in you and he breathed his last and it was accomplished for us.
And we're so thankful to know the story continued with the resurrection of our Lord. And all the things that have happened down through the centuries to our day today. And that today you have some surprises in mind for us. Surprises that will challenge us and stretch us and strengthen us and that will use us to bless others and that great day of surprise when Jesus splits the heavens and appears with glory and honor and with unutterable love to save us and take us home Father, as we see this love anew today, as we see your ways of working anew today, we say, Father, take and provide for us all the surprises we need. And we will give you the praise and the glory. All in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to our closing hymn, Love Divine, number 191. Love Divine. And we'll stand as we sing it together.
benediction is from Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen.